This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, we talk to a vocal legend, Jeff Tate. We hear what he's up to this year, and we revisit some classic albums from his days in Queensryche, like Operation Mindcrime, Empire, and Promised Land. After that, we have a cool metal chat with a supporter of the podcast named Ryan. You gotta check this thing out! Well, Jeff, welcome to the 80s Glam Metalcast. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, no problem. And, you know, some people might not think of Jeff Tate with with glam, but, you know, people might not remember. You guys kind of glammed it up a little bit for uh, Rage for Order, didn't you? Well, if you mean wearing flashy outfits and, you know, really tall hair and makeup, yeah, that's (laughs) what we did. (laughs) It was cool, man. I thought it looked pretty cool. So you've got a um, a new release coming out with Sweet Oblivion, Restless. That's coming out on April 9th. Uh, I've listened to the singles. They sound great. Your voice sounds incredible. Uh, what do you want to tell everybody about this release? Go check it out, I guess, was what I would say. How did it all come together? I think you've done one other album, correct? I have, yeah. I've done another uh, album called Sweet Oblivion. It's, it's with a different producer and different musicians. And uh, although they are all Italian, and as this album is uh, a new producer who's Italian named Aldo Bonoble and his group of uh, musicians, and we uh, made the second record. I think there's a third one slated to come out in a year or two from now. And I'm not sure who's going to be on that one either. It's always a big surprise for me. Nice. Now, how, how involved are you with the songwriting on these albums? Um, I wrote... Uh, four songs i guess three songs and then co-wrote uh, fourth one yeah cool i also was checking out your website i see that you got some live dates coming up later this year uh celebrating empire's 30th anniversary i know we're probably heading into the 31st uh 31st anniversary does it feel like it's been that long since that album was out yeah it really does does it <laughs> a lot of times a lot of times gone by you know a lot of water under the bridge uh, so to speak yeah it's uh but it sure is fun playing the the songs, I have to say, uh, I did well, quite a few shows last year before the pandemic kicked in, and we had to uh, cancel everything and postpone everything, but I think I was like two or three months into the tour at that moment, and uh, man, it, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed playing all the songs from that time, and uh, which it's kind of a treat for me because I didn't ever have the chance to uh, play all the songs on the album when the album was out, you know? Right. And over the years, you know, we when I was in Queensryche, we sort of tended to play a certain number of the tracks from the album and not play the other ones. So uh, this is the first time I get to actually sing these songs, which uh, I love. It's great. It's a wonderful tour, and highly uh, recommend it to everyone to check it out, especially if they love that album. When you do an album in full, and I know you've done this with many of your albums, is it kind of crazy to go back? Like you said, you didn't you ever played some of these songs live. Are there certain songs that you just have to get kind of reacquainted with, with the lyrics and everything? Well, funny enough, uh, for me, when I write a song, I remember it. Mm-hmm. But I have a real hard time remembering other people's songs, <laughs> you know, like singing like singing cover songs or something like that. Sure. You know? God, I just I could I never can remember the words. I have to read them all the time. Even after like uh, you know months of maybe singing somebody else's song, I still have to read the lyrics. I just don't, can't I just can't uh, keep it in my head, you know. But for some reason, if you write the song, at least for me, uh, I, I remember it like easy, you know. 
Yeah, you figure it's a lot of time that you've spent with it. You know, you've created it in your head, you've demoed it, and then you've recorded it. So you, you've spent a lot of time with, obviously, your own creations. Yeah, I do. Yeah, still to this day, I, I work in the studio about five days a week. When we look at Empire, I mean, obviously, this is the height of the band's commercial powers, and, and the tour was amazing. I mean, I, I saw that tour twice and it's funny, when I think back to that tour, I watched some clips recently, and it was so ahead of its time. I, I don't, I never saw any bands use screens that way, and, and the way you guys put that all together with Operation Mindcrime, that was definitely ahead of its time. Yeah, it was a, it was a really cool show, especially for the time. And uh, looking back now at, at how we did it, <laughs> it, you know, it was really, uh, of course, used, utilizing the technology of the time. And today, of course, we can... We can uh, have a show like that so much easier with the technology that we have today and also more cost effective you know economically sure uh which is important you know when you're touring as well but uh it's so much easier to do that kind of stuff today but back then we were kind of working with you know gigantic uh movie projectors like 35 millimeter movie projectors bringing those on the road with us and building these steel platforms every night to uh support them and then they had to be a certain distance away from the screen screen had to be a certain kind of screen in order to be uh, projected on from the rear you know uh, oh it was a constant headache you know but uh, it was it was worth it because the show was very cool yeah yeah it really was and uh, it's funny because when I think back of shows that I saw before the Empire tour you know a lot of times somebody'd have uh, uh, something on the stage but it was it was kind of stagnant you know what I mean it was a backdrop or uh, some kind of uh, atmosphere but it really didn't change much and that's what's awesome about the screens every song between the lighting and and the music and, and what you've got on the screen it's like the whole atmosphere of the stage changes yeah yeah and that was to uh, sort of give a visual interpretation of what the music was doing you know and it's pretty cool that you you did operation mind crime in full because I want to say when you did Operation Mindcrime for the tour, you were an opening act for most of that, and you probably couldn't play the full thing. But it was awesome that you were able to do it the you know the way you probably envisioned doing it. Yeah, and, and uh, that worked out great too because we got to introduce that album to uh, an audience that most of them had never heard of it or never seen it before. You know. Mm-hmm. Now I read something the other day, and maybe you can elaborate on this a little bit, but uh, it was about the story of Operation Mindcrime. And you were saying how it was like friends, you had these friends of friends or acquaintances or whatever that, that were kind of involved in some crazy things and they were kind of the inspiration for Operation Mindcrime. And I thought that was so cool that, you know, some of this stuff came from some real life things. Yeah, quite a bit of it was uh, fired by the people I met and knew at the time, mid-80s, uh, while I was living in Montreal. It was a really interesting time. It was, a you know, there was a lot of... Uh, political unrest and there was a, a very powerful group that was trying to uh, force the Canadian uh, government to uh, succeed from the Union of Canada and uh, it was pretty amazing to be witness to the, a lot of that um, and you know uh, most of that of course was uh, depicted in my story of Operation Minecraft. When you approached your band members at the time and you're like hey guys I got this idea did they think you were crazy or were they like, this is great, let's do it? What, what was there, any pushback? Oh, yeah, there was lots of pushback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my my writing partner at the time, Chris DeGarmo, he, he got it right away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he really jumped on board and supported the idea. And uh, 
and he and I pretty much took uh, kind of the reins of the project at that time and pushed it through. And, uh, you know, eventually the other guys kind of, you know, got on board once they saw, you know, could see what was going on. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people can't imagine things very well. You know, they, right. they see things for what they think they are rather than what things could be, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not a, a fault necessarily. It's just kind of, it is the way some people react to, you know, brainstorming or new ideas. So, yeah, you can't expect everybody to you know, understand your, your musings at the time. You know? <laughs> I think you got, I mean, obviously everybody loves Operation Mindcrime. And, and for me, I think it's one of those concept albums that really work. You did a great job with, with all how it's all pieced together and the, you know, the, the sound effects and in between talking. You know, the story makes sense. And I think a lot of, I'll be honest, there's a lot of concept albums I don't really like right maybe i just don't get them because it's 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 existing in the creator's head but i don't think they do a great job of putting it out to the listener but i think operation Mindcrime it doesn't happen with that one uh, yeah well thank you and a lot of concept albums came out after you guys did you kind of feel that you inspired some of that um well i think musicians are inspired by other musicians and that's kind of the way it's been if it wasn't for you know the beatles and uh Alice Cooper and the Rolling Stones, you know, I, I wouldn't be doing what I do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, well, Cooper was a guy who did a lot of concept albums, and, and actually he, he always did a good job of, of telling a story. It, it might have been Twisted, but it was it's a cool story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Twisted, Sick, and Horrific. Yeah. <laughs> now, Empire, obviously, back to that one, huge album. What kind of pressure were you feeling when it was time to do Promised Land? Pressure? Did you feel um, it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I think the after the Empire album and tour, we didn't make music for about three years. Wow, okay. And uh, we all, all, we all kind of went our separate ways, and Promised Land was really an effort to get the band back together, you know, and, and make music again. And uh, uh, it worked. I mean, we, we all, you know, got together for a brief period of time and, uh, you know, made the album. But uh, it, it didn't it didn't happen like I thought it was going to be. I thought we were going to kind of all you know, get together on this remote island and we're going to kind of live and breathe and write and get all creative in this uh, kind of uh, remote place, you know, and it was going to be like communal living, that kind of thing. And I thought we were going to really get into some some deep conversations about life and uh, it was going to come out in the record, you know, and it didn't turn out like that at all. (laughs) It was, uh, it it ended up being me and Chris staying at the, on the island for, like eight months while we made the album and the other guys coming in and out and doing their parts and leaving, you know, uh-huh. but, uh, it still, it still turned out really well. And I'm really happy with that album. It's, it's, it's the only Queensryche album I believe we ever did that has the, the same kind of vibe throughout the entire record. Uh-huh. You know, it, uh, it keeps you, it keeps you in this kind of feel, you know, for the, the duration of the record rather than changing moods, you know, every other song like, like a lot of the albums do. Yeah, I, I really like that album. I, I've been listening to it all week and I loved it when it came out. And really it's, you know, there's parts that are kind of abstract, you know what I mean? But but they work, you know, and they're like stuff like IMI or Disconnected and, and then, uh, you know, some of the stuff's maybe a little bit more straightforward, like uh, One More Time Around and, and uh, My Global Mind. But yeah, I, I can... I can dig that whole album. I, I love it. No, 
Yeah, thank you. It almost reminds me, in parts, uh, it has some of the same moods, if this makes sense, that Rage for Order has. Uh, do you ever, do you feel there's any ties between those two albums? Mm, yeah, I don't know. I never really thought of that. I, you know, I gave up a long time ago trying to figure out how people interpreted my music, you know. Right, yeah. I think everyone everyone really interprets music their own way, you know, through their own life filters, really. So, uh, you know, what I mean when I'm writing a song isn't necessarily what other people pick up on, you know. And it was a weird time, you know, music was changing. But I, I thought, like I said, I thought you guys were true to yourself with that album. It wasn't like you were chasing a trend. You were kind of making a piece of art that, that you believed in, and, and that's, you know, respectable. Well, I think music change you know it's not supposed to remain static and uh it's dynamic you know it's dynamic art it's uh changing at the times and the artists themselves did you feel that with that one maybe a lot of the new fans you picked up weren't weren't ready to go on a, a journey and they wanted like empire part two or what do you think oh i've got no idea what no. people expect <laughs> <laughs> does it really phase you or do you just do whatever it is that you that comes to mind oh yeah yeah, you have to follow your muse, you know, and you have to follow what you're interested in and, you know, write about what you know, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we know, or at least from my perspective, you know, changes. You know, I'm a different person today at 62 years old than I was when I was 26. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot different. One album that, to me, it feels like a concept album, but I don't think it is. Is is the warning? Is the I've always wanted to ask you this: Is the warning a concept album? Well, a concept album is a definition, you know, of, of something. Journalists and critics, and even fans nowadays, are always trying to put things that you make into little boxes to describe them. Mm -hmm. uh, I would hate to be a music journalist. I would be totally uh, bad at it. <laughs> I really would, <laughs> because I. Music is meant to be heard. It's not meant to be described by somebody, you know. Right, right. So it, it's meant to be heard and experienced and felt, you know, uh, not not talked about and picked apart and described by somebody, trying to describe it to somebody else. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I don't know what, what people do with it. Of course, everybody has their own beliefs about it as well, you know. Yeah. It seems like the younger generations, they've really latched on to this idea of, boxing up everything and they put definitions and on everything in life and especially music with all the different genrefication that goes on you know well, i guess that's the cool thing about Thank that you. album is that it could the, to the it could take a listener on a story that might not really be there but that just shows you how how cool the album is because for me when i hear something like you know nm 156 I think of, uh, you know, the machines taking over or, or humans becoming like machines. We're in a world today, there's so much of this going on, you know. I mean, I think a lot of this science fiction has become reality. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If it wasn't for, you know, uh, people's imaginations, we, we wouldn't be in the position we are today. You know, people have to imagine and dream up the automobile or the printing press or the computer and, you know, they have to dream these things into into being, and that's what writers have been doing forever since writing was invented, is uh, using their imaginations to, I guess, describe what can be, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, even with all the tech stuff, you know, I mean, James Bond movies, for instance, I always loved James Bond. I mean, James Bond would talk into his his watch or he'd see a video on his watch and, and i mean we all we all have the same tech today it's, it's pretty mind-boggling yeah 
Yeah, I, I remember, oh gosh, nearly 30 years ago, watching this um, science show, and there was this guy on there talking about in the in the future, you'd be able to look at your wristwatch and push some buttons on it, and you'd be able to beam the signal out into space. It would bounce back, and you could buy music or an album uh, and download that music, that file, onto your phone, plug your headphones into your phone, and continue walking down the street listening to the album that you just bought. And I thought, oh, my God. Is that, that that's so cool? Right. <laughs> I can't even I can't even imagine something like that. And here we do it, you know, every day. You know, it's so commonplace now. Yeah, it's bizarre. The the guy that was describing this and talking about it was Bill Gates. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I used to think back when I was a kid in the '80s, I had a Walkman. And I had to bring maybe 10 tapes with me, you know, we go on a trip or something like that. And I think like, oh my God, yeah. now I have, I could have a phone with some earbuds and I can have every song, you know, in the world at, at my fingertips. It, it really, I, the, the 80s me would be blown away about, you know, what goes on today. It's crazy. Oh, heck yeah. It's a, it's a whole new world. And getting, uh, getting even more interesting as we go along, you know. Oh yeah. So now you like you said you've been working on music, you know, 5 hours a day in the studio. What will this become? What are you going to do a solo album or what kind of stuff are you working on? Uh, I suppose I should do another solo album. I haven't done one in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And the one I I released 10 years ago was 10 years after I released the first one. So <laughs> I guess, you know, once every decade I'll do a solo album. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're due for one. You're due. Yeah, I'm kind of due for one. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't know what what it's going to be called or grouped as because uh, everything's changing so much now that, you know, they're talking about, uh, well, so many people are not releasing albums. They're releasing songs or groups of songs now and, sure. and uh, collections, you know? So I think the, the album might be on its way out, you know, as a, as a, a thing, you know, a format, you know, but uh, I'm not sure when it when it's ready to come out. I guess I'll have to figure out you know what it's going to be, or what it's going to be called. Yeah, no. I, I do a lot of projects. I do a lot of projects with without my name, you know, being sold so so to speak. Like this latest thing, Sweet Oblivion. You know, it's, it's called Sweet Oblivion, featuring me. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then I have like Operation Mind Crime, the the project. You know, uh, I do a lot of things like that rather than calling it my name. But I guess I'm really due for. A solo project. Now, you probably get asked this all the time, but I'm going to take a swing at it. Now, does the idea of an original member Queensryche reunion, does that ever cross your mind? Or do you ever think about it? Or are you just happy the way things are today? Oh, I'm very happy the way things are. You know, I I spent 30 plus years making music with those guys. And uh, I'm very proud of our legacy, of what we achieved, and the albums we made, uh, songs we wrote. And... uh, yeah, I don't feel the need to go back in time and resurrect that. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, I'm I'm fine with where I'm at now and what I'm doing, and I love I love my uh, my touring that I'm doing, and I have a fantastic band that uh, musicians that uh, are incredible to play with. So I don't I don't really feel the need to go backwards, you know, in mm-hmm. that respect. 
Sure. But we all have seen bands like, you know, Kiss Reunited and Motley Crue. Everybody's done the big tour, one one final tour. Would you consider it? Or um, Well, usually they do those kind of tours because the money is so good. Right. You know, and it's like hard to walk away from that kind of money offering, you know. Sure. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't really need the money. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, I'm pretty happy <laughs> right now. Well, Jeff, it's been great talking with you. Uh, anything you want to say to your fans out there in closing? Oh, I'd say thanks for listening, and uh, I hope to see everybody out on the tour. The world's starting to open up, and that's a good thing. And uh going to be touring this fall in the States and June, July in the U.K., and the rest of Europe's going to be following in the winter. So I'm feeling very positive, very anxious, and uh, ready to rock hope they are too awesome jeff well hey thanks for all the years of the great music it was great chatting with you you too mike thanks man thanks for having me on your show appreciate it yes have a great one you guys gotta check out the band platinum overdose it's new hair metal with the classic 80s sound their new album back for the thrill made sleaze rocks top 10 albums of 2020 and it's just killer Go to ddrmusicgroup.com or platinumoverdose.com and check it out. Hey guys, this podcast takes a lot of time and effort. I want to do more in-depth projects on here, but I can't do it without your help. Just Google 80s Glam Metalcast on Anchor. Once there, hit the support button and you can donate 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month. Your support will ensure that this podcast will be rocking out for years to come. Well, Ryan, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How are you doing, man? I'm very good. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, it's no problem. Now, you are a supporter of the 80s Glam Metal Cast. Why would you support a podcast like this? Well, honestly, you are one of those guys that's so polite to the, uh, the artists that come on. They're so polite to you. It's just really nice to see that, that they have such appreciation and such passion to talk about what they did and what they still do. And it, it, you're, you're just great at bringing it out in those guys and honoring what they do as their, their new projects. And then always, um, you know, it's not lost on anyone that, that we want to hear about the heyday. So <laughs> you bring it out of them in a, in a nice, respective way. And I want to see it keep going. I, you know, I, the artists you have on are perfect. It's right up my alley. So, right up most people's alley that that like this genre so i want to see it keep going awesome brother all i can oh man thanks for the kind words so in this episode uh, i got to talk with jeff tate now are you a queensrike fan yeah absolutely i am uh i'm a the big three i like to call it you know and i'm sure a lot of people are it's kind of predictable but rage mind crime and empire those three for me are the ones because it's right up my alley it's um it's not the new wave of british heavy metal queen of the reich first dp deal although i like it's just the iron maiden chime guitars isn't exactly my thing i'm more of a warren d martini distortion from hell <laughs> so um you know the, those three albums really fit my groove and um walk in the shadows gonna get close from that rage album and then mine and from mind crime there's just a few standouts like the the stop live chorus and revolution calling when the whole damn crowd goes off and sings it. I mean, that that's like ultimate power right there. The drum intro and I don't believe in love. That's like the perfect mm. drum intro. Just, I don't know how they got that sound and the way that drum skips along. And then, uh, you know, Empire, that was a huge album. Even, I mean, I was born in 81, so I missed out on everything. Mm. 
<laughs> in terms of when I really got to experience it like you did. And, uh, but I mean, I do remember Queensryche because my brother was a big Pink Floyd fan. And of course he, they were compared with silent lucidity. Sure. And, uh, so I remember that album coming out, but as I got into this kind of genre, I wanted to dig in and best I can, that pre-course, the, the won't let go part that that's big, that's power. And then, uh, I do like the, the live, uh, resistance, and then right into Walk in the Shadows, and they mm. kicked off that, that tour. So, yeah, I like Queensryche. Um, I also, I got to meet Jeff Tate one time. Um, I was down in, I live in Santa Cruz, California, in the Bay Area, and I was down in the Monterey Bay Area, and I was going to a race, at a, a motorcycle race, and um, we were down near this, going to get our tickets at this nice place on Cannery Road in Monterey, and uh, out walks Jeff Tate, and I go, wow. And I go up to him and I say, typically. Hey, you're Jeff Tate. <laughs> and uh, he was really polite, really nice. Took a picture with him. Uh, he signed something for me. And then, you know, that was it. So yeah, I, I dig them, man. They're, they definitely uh, had a, a big moment with them for a while. So I'm looking forward to that interview. Yeah, you know, what I like about them is they never really made the same album twice. You know, like you said, you talk about the metal, straight up metal from the early albums. Then you get into the yeah. whole concept of mind crime. You get it a little more poppy and more commercial with Empire. And then you really go off the rails and get experimental with Promised Land. And it's just amazing all the different kinds of things they've done, man. Really uh, just creative guys, pioneers. Oh, yeah. Now, Queen's Rock's a little bit deeper than some of the stuff that we've uh, focused on on the podcast. So what are some of your favorite glam bands, hair bands? Who, who are some of your faves? Oh, well, you know, you and I go back and forth a little bit bit via uh, Facebook Messenger, but I've talked to you a little bit about some of the other bands that came out a little later that were a little bit more unrecognized, and I was hoping that with uh, our conversation, I could share some of those bands that I, I think that, you know, some people might not pay much attention to because they came out in the dreaded early 90s, <laughs> but um, there's there's a, a year that sticks out for me, and in 1992, that's, that's my groove for, for the the hard melodic rock that, you know, a lot of times in the podcast you talk about, of course, uh, 1991, 1992 being the, the glory days of grunge. And yeah. also you, you guys also talk a lot about, um, technology and the way recording was coming along and drum sounds and guitar tones. And it sounded killer. I did. So a lot of those bands that came out in the early nineties that were either, their debut album came out and that was about it for them or it was their, you know, third, fourth, fifth album. But there's, there's, there's many, but you know, a few of them like 21 guns, you got a band with, uh, Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy. And, uh, he was on the, that metal show and Eddie Trunk didn't even mention 21 guns when he was talking to him. It was bummed me out. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I can't believe it. I know. <laughs> uh, and then danger, danger had cockroach. Um, and that album's killer. That's their, their third album. That's when they had, Ted Poley and Paul Lane, so they, yeah. they duplicated that album, and that's a that's killer. I love that album. Um, both singers, Firehouse, Hold Your Fire, mm. Giant, Time to Burn, Hardline, Double Eclipse. That's top five albums of all time for me. Hardline, nice. Double Eclipse. I love that. Saints and Sinners, Killer Canadian Band, Heavy Bones. Heavy Bones. I know you you talked. Yeah, <laughs> you had your interview with Joel, Joel Ellis. That was a good one. Um, Unruly Child. That was the Signal and King Cobra singer. Mm. Uh, Lillian Axe released Poetic Justice, yeah. and um, that, that, that She's My Salvation might be one of the most ripping rips I've ever heard. Um, John Norm released Face the Truth, and they have a 
song called We Belong Together with uh, uh, Joey Tempest. And if you ever heard that song or some people haven't heard that, it's it's a really good one. Um, Lion's Heart, that was uh, ex-Grim Reaper, Steve Grimmett, mm. his band. And then uh, no, I know a favorite of yours, Pretty Maids released Sin Decade. Oh, and that, that that's a good, ass. that's hard, that's a good one. That's Roxy a good one. Blue, um, Sahara Steel's one that, that it, it was 1992 and it kind of fell through the cracks and awesome. That That's a ripping album. Uh, Sleaze Bees, Power Tools, Steelheart, Tangled in Rain, Steelheart, amazing. TNT, Realized Fantasies. Mm. I know in your interview, Tony Harnell wasn't, Real big on that album, but it's it's a I love that album. I do too. Um, try yeah, Triumph released Edge of Excess, and Triumph was a band that I never paid attention to. Just it was early '80s stuff, and I wasn't interested. And bam, '92 rolled around, and different singers, awesome. Um, band called Von Groove. <laughs> I and remember Warrant, that. <laughs> yeah, Warrant released Dog Eat Dog. Oh, that's I mean, a classic. Yeah, and Wild Side Under the Influence, epic album. And then I just kind of wanted to throw a few honorable mentions in there. Uh, Britney Fox had Bite Down Hard. Yep. Love that album. Europe came out Prisoners in Paradise. Kane Roberts released the most catchy album of all time, Saints and Sinners. And I I listened to your last interview with him, and he's a character. Good guy, it seems like. That was a good one. I I was glad I got to talk with him. Yeah. Shadow King, that's a good one. Had Vivian Campbell. Oh, yeah. Before he jumped over to... Yeah, I went over to Def Leppard. Oh, I love that um, album, man. Uh, D- uh, Danger in the Dance of Love, I think it is. Oh, what a cool song. Yeah, exactly. Shotgun Messiah, I know you're a big fan of them. Mm-hmm. and They've released uh, Second Coming, Wild Horses, and then uh, XYZ released Hungry. So, you know, I, I, I'm i into all of it, but those are some that I just I kind of wanted to throw out just in case some of the people that were listening had never heard of those bands and wanted to check them out and they unfortunately either debuted at a time when they were being overlooked or that album wasn't that looked at. I mean, even Europe, Prisoners in Paradise, I think, is like right there next to Out of This World, I mean, chronologically and quality. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, no, it's real, you know, real good, and, real good. I love it. Yeah, yeah, and, and people kind of overlooked it, and I can't believe it. But anyway, so that's it. But how I discovered your podcast was one day I just wanted to look for an interview with one of my all-time favorite bands, Tiger Tales, and that was the first one that um, I ever listened to on YouTube was uh, with Jay Pepper. Wow, that was my and, first one. I was green. I was very green yeah. at that point. Very green. <laughs> that was yeah, that was great, man. I mean, anything Tiger Tales for me was awesome. In fact, that Berserk was like mind-blowing to me. I, I found it in a used record store when I was in high school, and uh, it's probably with Hardline in my top five albums of all time, especially glam albums of all time. Oh, and so, so it's a weird yeah. album, man, because like it's it's really poppy and catchy, but it's like heavy as hell. It's really heavy and powerful. You know, it's it's a it's a real unique mix of music on uh, on that one. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the opening with Six X was like blew me away. And usually the hits, I'm really not too focused on the hits because you know there's some album tracks that you're like, oh, this is even better, but. Six Sacks was like, well, okay, I can't deny this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, great album. So now, who would if, you like to see me get on the podcast? And, and, and okay, be realistic. Don't say Nikki Six, Vince Neil, or any of those guys. Who's a realistic <laughs> guest that you'd like to see? Come on. I really, I would I would love to see the Banshee singer, Tommy Lee Flood. He, he that, his voice is amazing. Mm-hmm. They've released some great albums. Um, Johnny Gioli, I don't know if I butchered his name, the singer for Hardline. Hardline, okay. Um, you know, he, he's got a lot of history. He was in Brunette, which was a, a, a 80s glam strip band. 
Um, but I think I think they're from the East Coast originally. I can't remember, but they're an 80s uh, Sunset Strip band, Brunette, before they were um, hardline. Singing for Steelheart, I'm not even going to attempt his name. Uh, Mike. Yeah, Mike. You fill in the blank. <laughs> um, he'd be cool. Um, he's got a lot of history. Um, I'm not sure if you've gotten anybody from Danger Danger. I have not. I have yeah, tried. Cool, I have yeah. tried, but I have not gotten anybody yet. Yeah, they got great history, you know. Not just a few, but you're doing great other than that at all. I tune in every time. Uh, I love seeing a new one pop up. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate uh, you being a supporter. Hopefully we'll have a lot more episodes coming on, and uh, we'll just keep trucking with this thing. Awesome. Well, I so appreciate everything you're doing, and it's great to hear the stories from these guys, and, and they're so they're so appreciative, too, which is really nice. So, yeah, um, yeah, man, I'll keep listening. I'll keep tuning in, and I'll keep turning other people on to this. Good luck with seeking the, the guys, and I look forward to the Jeff Tate interview. All right, brother. Hey, man, it was nice talking with you. I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking again. Okay, appreciate it. Good talking to you. All right, Ryan. Have a good night, man. Bye. Well, that was amazing chatting with Jeff. I was also glad that I could bring on my supporter, Ryan, and talk some metal. Now, consider being a supporter through Anchor. Just click the link in the description. Once you sign up as a supporter, shoot me an email at 80sglammodel1 at gmail.com and we can set up a time that you can come on the podcast and talk some rock. Because, hey, this podcast isn't mine. It's ours. Let's see where we can take it. Rock on!